Hey guys, and thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. I hope this podcast blesses you like it has me by reading the Word of God. So don't forget to share with your family and friends. Thank you all, and God bless you. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Crimson Flow Biblecast. I'm your host, Nathan, and I know it is late, but that is for a very specific reason. I have been trying to figure out how to bump up the algorithm, and the best way I can figure out right now is to change the time. So during the weekdays, Monday through Saturday, the episodes will start appearing at 11 o'clock. I feel like a midday it's just going to be trial and error because I, I want the word to get out. I want it to be spread, and I want that algorithm to get pushed to where I start showing up in the feeds when people search for Christian podcast or Bible podcast or whatever. And you guys that are rating and reviewing it are helping with that. So I want to say thank you. And today, uh, for regular general purposes, we continue our wisdom approach in the book of Proverbs at chapter 15. So we will start and see how long it lasts because I've been on a series of part twos or part one and twos here lately. So let's see how it goes. Verse one says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. This kind of goes what we need to do as humans when we interact with each other. Sorry about the bump. But simply this, even if you know you're speaking the truth, even if you know deep down there is so much evidence pointing toward the truth, speak it calmly and softly out of a loving voice. Because no matter what the answer is, even if it's the nicest thing in the world, if you yell it at somebody or you have raised voice or you have a stern word towards somebody, it triggers an emotion in them that causes them to want to rebound on you so like it says grievous words stir up anger if you choose don't choose your words correctly and you just kind of launch this at them it's going to create this sense of anger and it's just going to be back and forth you know and it's going to create something that should have never been created if you had just answered them calmly and it kind of goes along with what jesus did when he never turned the cheek when they confronted him and everything he always answered them calmly uh, they were getting ready to stone that woman in the streets. He looked at him and said, Ye who is without sin cast the first stone. He didn't yell it at him. He just said it. That's all he said. Then he went back to drawing in the sand. Nobody knows what he draws. The, the Bible doesn't state what he drew. I would actually kind of like to know, and I know that one day in heaven we will know what he drew, but it's just kind of an interesting thought about what he was drawing in the sand. But that's besides the point. But the answer to this is, he answered calmly, and yes, it caused anger, but this showed the true character of what Jesus is, in that he answers in that calm, still, sweet voice that we have to listen for. And remember, any act that we do well, that is in accordance to the Bible and is in accordance to God's will and it isn't aligned with the way Jesus would act will always anger the devil regardless, just because he hates Jesus so much 
because he knows that Jesus has defeated him and there's nothing he can do about it and he knows his days are numbered and yada, yada, yada. You get that point, okay? So let's continue on to verse 2. And it says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. Well, that's kind of self-explanatory. Basically, uh, you don't want to be spewing knowledge around like you are a know-it-all, bragging about your brainology or whatever. But at the same time, if you don't know what you're talking about, don't be a fool and just spread everything you want to spread, you know, and I'm guilty of that too. Like I will find out some information, but I don't know the whole story. And then I'll go tell some people about it, whether it be a news story or whatnot. And before you know it, I've spread out a bunch of stuff that was misleading and everything. And I do feel bad for that. Like for instance, in a past podcast that I episode that I done, I mentioned it was actually on a Sunday episode because it was talking about Exodus and Moses. And I remember that I was talking about there was a Pharaoh who didn't know Jacob. I was wrong for that. It was not Jacob. It was Joseph. I got the names mixed up, but I do. I did know the story that I was talking about, but I was mixed up on the names but the reason i wanted to point that out and how important that is is because if i told somebody that and then they went and said oh it was the story of jacob well then that would be misleading them so you know and that one little mishap could lead to another mishap you know because i could tell in a room of 30 people i could tell one person a secret in a whisper that nobody else could hear and by the time it got all the way back around to me it would be something completely and totally different that's just the way the word of mouth works Everybody always, uh, you know, changes one word, and by the by the time the story gets back to you, it's totally different. Okay, so, but the mouth of the fools pours out poureth out foolishness, and the tongue of the wise uses knowledge up all right or a right. I don't think I've ever heard that word before, but basically, don't go bragging about your knowledge. Don't don't just go and say I know this, I know that, I know this, I know that. Teach what needs to be taught at the time it needs to be taught. Okay? So let's continue on to verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. He is omnipresent. He is all-knowing. He's watching us at every single minute. He knows our thoughts, even. He knows which thoughts the devil's putting into us. Keep that in mind. But he also knows the thought that we put in our own selves because we choose to keep feeding that wolf inside of us, so to speak. And if you have been listening to my past episodes, you know what I mean by that. And then it says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, of course, beholding the evil and the goods. Basically just what I just said. I hadn't even read that far yet, but it basically says that he knows the good and the evil in all the world. He knows what the devil is putting in the world. He knows what you are accepting. He knows what you are rejecting. So that's important to note. And it says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? We all have a bit of perverseness that we kind of let through from time to time. And perverseness in this sense is meaning sinful, wrongdoing, uh, evil, um, not meant for good, that kind of thing. And it says, um, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the re- revenues of the wicked is trouble. 
kind of goes along with all those, you know, rich people like the the millionaires that that slowly, little by little, you see scandal after scandal come out. Like uh, that one Harvey Weinstein, he was a he was a um, Hollywood agent, and all that sexual misconduct, all the uh, sexual molestation of all them women and everything, and almost sex slavery that he got caught up with. But he was a multimillionaire because, like I said, he was an agent for all these actors and actresses, and and he eventually got called the God and the God. God says that all of our hidden, all of our secrets will be revealed one day. And especially if they're bad, and that kind of goes along with what I said about I feel like God delivers karma, and all these wrongdoers will get pulled to the surface. It just got to be in his time, in God's time. Okay, so it says, in the house of the righteous is much treasure, you know. And when I say righteous and treasure, sometimes the treasure is more of a mental belief, like are you building up upon money or are you building up upon spiritual treasures like your connection to Jesus or your connection to spirituality in, in the Lord? Or are you building it up on the love of money? Because keep in mind, the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay. Once we start feeling that we start loving money more than most things, we start getting greedy with it, and then it becomes a lustful thing. We want more money, or we want more items that that money can buy us, and it's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, granted, there can be good done even if you do love money, but it's it's very very rare. It's almost like the uh, what does the Bible say? The it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is a rich man to get into heaven, and that's simply because. Once you get to a certain point, you will start loving money, and you will want more of it, and you will, you will never get enough if you keep holding it to yourself. That's why the best people in the world that have lots and loads of money are ones that constantly give it away all the time because they know at that point where they start keeping it and have the ability to buy whatever they want when they want it, no regrets they're going to start loving money and then they're going to get greedy. Okay, this is this may be a two or three parter, I tell you that. I'm getting so much out of these first few things. I feel like I feel like God's telling me to just say say say, you know? So um and believe it or not, I've actually not had any coffee yet. So that's kind of kind of funny um that I'm going full full speed and not slowing down. So let's keep on going and it says the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. This Well, okay, let me stop there. Uh, have you ever been around something and you know somebody is doing it wrong or they're very ignorant? When I say ignorant, I mean they just don't know. Like, they are unknowing. They've not been taught. Ignorant is not a bad word if you use it according to its definition. But I feel like ignorant can be very derogatory if you use it out of context. But that's besides the point. So it says here, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. Basically, if you are around somebody that really don't know what they're doing, and you don't try to teach them, don't you feel like you are partially guilty if whatever they're doing may get them hurt? Like, if you see somebody doing something, and they are doing it haphazardly because they haven't been taught the correct way, what if their life is at stake? 
Now let's flip that over onto a spiritual side. You see people every day who are living sinful lives. Wouldn't it be very wise to try to share with them what to do so that they can live and not die in a horrible, fiery death? Now let me let me say this right here. That does not mean go and say, you're going straight to hell. I hate when people do that. I cannot stand it. That is not the way Jesus would have done it. When Jesus taught people in the synagogues and everything, when he preached, he did not preach a damning sermon. The way he preached was basically he looked at them and he spoke in a way not only with authority and power, but in a way that it made themselves convict themselves. Okay? It was the Holy Spirit coming in and saying, you know what you did. You know you're wrong. But he didn't come out and say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. He wasn't like an Oprah of saying, you're going to hell. He would come out and he said stuff that was made you think like, wow, I've been wrong. Like like I said earlier that about that story where they were going to stone that uh, the harlot. He said, ye who is without sin cast the first stone. Made them think about their own lives and realize that they're not perfect. Because if Jesus would have come out and said, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, it would have not have been out of love and it would have been something that it would have been exactly like the devil would have done. He always wants to put you down. He always wants to put you in your past, make you remember things that you've done in the past without a sense of forgiveness. He wants to make you feel so bad about them, even if they, even if it was something done to you that you had no control over. He wants to make you feel like you are worthless because of it. God says we are worthy. We may be undeserving, but by the blood of Jesus, we, it makes us deserving. But we are worthy to be redeemed. Okay? So, I think I'm going to get through one or two more verses, and that's going to be it. Like I said, there may be a part three to this. And it says, the sacrifice, in verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he that loveth him followeth after righteousness. That goes to show that if we love the Lord, we will constantly seek a path to righteousness. We will not be like, well, I'll get it in a minute. I'll do it later, whatever. We will constantly seek a path to righteousness. Constantly. So, and I'm going to read one more verse, and I think we're just going to have to call it a part two tomorrow. And yeah, I believe I can get through part two tomorrow, maybe a little bit longer. But it says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. If you hate correction, it said this multiple times in the book of Proverbs, if you hate correction, you will die because Jesus will correct you if you are a born-again believer. The old flesh will die away. You will become a new creature under God, or in God, I should say. And he will, through the Holy Spirit, correct you, tell you that you're doing wrong, make you feel horrible for sinning. 
the closer you get to God, the more horrible you will feel about the choices you could make in life. Okay? Not the choices you have made. God will never make you feel bad about your past. Okay? That is the devil. But when approached with a thought about what you could do in the future, you will get a sense of urgency to stay away from certain choices, like maybe watching that pornography, maybe uh, going into that uh, strip club, or maybe um, buying that little bag of weed or whatever. You will start to feel horrible about thinking about doing those things because that is the Holy Spirit saying, I'd stay away. Granted, he doesn't come out and say no because you still have that choice. That is still your decision because God is the perfect gentleman. He will never make you do anything you don't want to do, but he tells you throughout the whole entire Bible many, many times what paths those choices lead to and it's always destruction in, in the fiery pits of hell, okay, and in the eternal fire. So that's all I've got for today in this part one extravaganza. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. I will be launching a new podcast soon, believe it or not. I will. Uh, it is going to be a news podcast. It's going to get political. I'm not going to get political on this on this podcast simply because it's a podcast about the Bible. And we, we want to keep it strictly the Bible. But if y'all want to listen to that podcast, it's called Take a Coffee Break with Nate. And the first episode will launch tomorrow. I've had previous episodes, but it, it I just, like I said, with everything that happened last year, I just kind of fell out the way. So it's going to be Take a Coffee Break with Nate. You can find it anywhere you find all the other ones. And... Hopefully, here in the future, you won't have to just listen to my ugly voice on there. I'll have some other people join me on there, and let's see how it goes. So, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and share this, and until next time.